All right, welcome in Wednesday night to the 573 Report. I am Gabe DeArmond. On the other side of the screen is Mitchell Forty. Mitch, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm old enough to remember when temperatures got above freezing in uh, the state of Missouri. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it, it could have happened in my lifetime, but I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to think past uh, past the time when it's been freezing. I mean, even freezing wouldn't be that bad now. You know, it got down right. to like negative nine. So that's like that's a 40 degree I, difference. That's like the difference between 50 and 90. My qualification for what is an acceptable temperature is if it doesn't seem like it could be on the Celsius scale, I'm good with it. <laughs> But right now, we're still kind of in that area where conceivably we could be measuring in Celsius or, or centigrade, like it was called when I was growing up. Uh, I don't yeah. know why they changed that. But uh, anyway, okay. Uh, well, we're, we're starting to get comments, so I appreciate that. Uh, definitely let them roll in. I have a feeling I know what we're going to spend most of the time tonight talking about. Um, the weather sucks, but like, we have really good basketball to take our attention away from it and, uh, and get everybody interested. So, um, I, I don't know, like what the hell last night? I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, yes, Missouri was missing Jeremiah Tillman, but we both went into that game saying, if this is, you know, the type of team that they're kind of claiming to be and that people are hoping they could be, they, they need to be able to beat Georgia without him. And they clearly had enough to do so because they were winning by 13 points in the second half. And then just kind of this thing that has started to become a trend happened where just like it, things started to go wrong. And then the, the players seemed to panic and took bad shots and turned the ball over. And it just turned into this massive snowball and they couldn't stop it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's a concerning trend for sure. Like, I still think this team's going to make the NCAA tournament and all that. But, mm -hmm. like, it, it's you, you have to be a bit a bit worried considering, you know, this is, you know, kind of the year that Conzo Martin's been building towards that, that we've had this happen now, you know, three or four times where a second half's gotten away from them to that degree. Yeah. Uh, speaking of snowballs, Danny Ragland says that he was working overnight in negative 15. So, look, we want to be clear here. We're literally sitting in our houses talking on the internet, so it yeah. could be a whole lot worse. Like we get it. We don't mean to. Uh, we we don't mean to intimate otherwise. Uh, uh, I did. I sent out a snarky weather tweet, and I had somebody from the South point out to me like, "Hey, bad stuff's happening down here. Like maybe don't be a dick about it." And that was fair because like yeah. this happens to us uh, fairly regularly. It doesn't happen down there a lot. But back to basketball. Right. So the the thing last night was. I, to me, it was much more like the Mississippi State game than it was the Ole Miss game because the Ole Miss game, yes. it, it, Ole Miss game was plain as day. They gave up. They just quit, mm -hmm. um, or maybe not quit, but it wasn't a full effort. The Mississippi mm -hmm. State game and the Georgia game, I don't feel like they gave up, but I feel like the switch, like it, it got to the point where the opposition said, "Oh, hey, like we really got to try here if we're going to have a chance." And as soon as they really started trying and had some success, it was like everything that Missouri had done right was somehow like transferred to the other team. And all of a sudden, Missouri just could not do anything right. I mean, it was, yeah. I, you know, and Georgia was five of six from three in the second half, but I'm pretty convinced three of them happened within about four possessions. They um, did. Yeah, there yeah. were there were three right in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was... 
I don't. It, it was definitely more similar to the Mississippi State game, and also kind of the Alabama run. I mean, the, you right. know, obviously the Alabama run ended differently with Missouri hanging on. But I'm, I'm really I, uh, a little disappointed. I apologized for overreacting to that Alabama run, by the way, because I did not overreact to it as as we look back. Yeah, apparently not. Um, yeah, actually, so I went back and looked at kind of the play-by-play and, and charted some numbers from each of those four games, the Mississippi State game, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia. And, like, Conso has, has a point when he says, you know, different stuff happened in each game. That's somewhat true. Like, the Mississippi State game, I thought the biggest problem was the fact that they that Mississippi State did not miss. I mean, they literally right. shot, like, 18 of 21 down the stretch or something ridiculous. Um, you know, the Alabama game – it was, you know, a, a good team gets desperate and, and fi- figures out how to play the way it has played, you know, at a lot of this season. Mississippi State game, you met, or Ole Miss game you mentioned was effort. Last night, I thought the biggest thing was, you know, Georgia made a little run, as, as teams do sometimes. You know, they get down 13, something like that. They make a little run. And then Missouri just totally panicked on offense. They had something that was working in going inside to Kobe Brown and Parker Brown. And they just started, like, absolutely acting like they had to, you know, jack up a three or, or, or you know, turn the ball over every possession. It was unbelievable. There's There was a stretch where Missouri had it tied 62-62. And then Drew Bugs missed two free throws and Georgia scored on the other end. Missouri's next nine possessions were five turnovers, three missed threes, and then two made free throws. Not a single two-point shot. It's not It's not going to do uh, well, <laughs> and we'll get into a little more specifics. But uh, So, like you said, every game is, is different things, right? You can explain each one with, with something different. Yeah. But this relates to what is really my favorite saying in all of life. If you wake up one day and meet an asshole, that's bad luck. But if you wake up every day and meet an asshole, then you're the asshole, right? So yeah. the mm-hmm. only the only common denominator in all these games is Missouri. You know? Yes. So, yeah. And, yeah, them blowing a lead, right. Right. Yeah. At, at some point, you can explain each one individually, but the larger point, and, and I've said this, like, in, in – it relates to so many things in recent years. The transfers out of Kim Anderson's program, the the failure of Barry Odom to get recruits. Like, yes, each individual thing has its own explanation, and they're all different, but the one common denominator is you. Mm-hmm. And I think the common denominator for Missouri, I went into these last two games under the belief that Jeremiah Tillman was Missouri's most important player. And I don't believe that anymore. I think it's Xavier Pinson. Because I think the way he plays is most indicative to how Missouri will play. Because Tillman has had a couple games where he wasn't great and Missouri won. Um, Pinson, largely, when he's good, they win. And when he's bad, they not they don't. And and this is where I think we're going to spend most of the time talking about this. And, and I want to share the... The text I got, so I told Mitch about this before the show started, but I had a friend text me at 5 o'clock and asked if if something happened in basketball because of all the threads on our message board about the coaching situation. I said, well, they lost, so we're firing him. That's what goes on. And he legitimately <laughs> believed by the reaction that, that maybe Conzo had been fired and he hadn't seen it. Um, but it, it, it just – how many times can he tell Xavier Pinson, we need you to drive the ball? Like, he shouldn't – this kid has played 100 games now. Mm -hmm. It's not coaching when he – look, even the commentator said last night, he looks a little unengaged, right? And I think think we've used the word maybe disinterested. 
I, mm-hmm. That's not – and I understand when you're a college coach, ultimately everything is your fault. If the kid's mm-hmm. not interested and you bench him and Drew Bugs isn't good enough, then that's your fault. Or if the kid's not interested and you keep playing him and he continues to be not interested, that's your – I get it. Ultimately it all comes back to the coach, but – I don't know how you fix that. Like, I, I don't – everybody's saying it was coaching last night. Nobody has told me specifically what Conzo did or did not do other than he did not, not call enough timeouts. Timeout. Right. Yeah. He just didn't call enough timeouts. It's it's like when the football coach didn't call the touchdown play. Right. Like, I'm not saying Conzo's great and infallible, but I, he got him a 13-point lead. Was that Was that all the players? And then he suddenly started coaching the last 14 minutes and screwed it all up? Yeah, right. No, yeah. So first of all, I wanted to back up and say, like, going back through and talking about each game being different was not me trying to make excuses. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm definitely saying, like, that the, the common denominator is Missouri has been letting, you know, momentum snowball to the point that it can't reverse it, which is very bad. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, going back and looking, you know, one, one thing Conzo has said is, like, eventually someone on the floor has to kind of get everyone settled down and say, all right, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're, you know, how we're going to play. We're going to, you know, stop doing, making these mistakes. And, and, you know, going back and looking, I, I think that needs to come from a point guard and, and Xavier Pinson is the one who probably has, you know, the most it, ability to just turn it on like that, like they need. It could but come like, from Drew Smith too, but it right, doesn't. Yeah. Xavier Pinson and Drew Smith. Like, so this is, absolutely cherry picking the worst stretches of Missouri season. But I went back and looked at the four big runs, right? So it's mm-hmm. Mississippi state's run, Alabama's run, Ole Miss's start to the second half and then Georgia last night. And it's like 42 minutes of game time. So basically one whole, whole game. game. All right. Yeah. Xavier Pinson had like, I think it was four points on one of 12 shooting O of seven from three, eight or four turnovers to assist. Drew Smith, four points on like one of 10 shooting, uh, you know, eight turnovers, four assists. Like neither one is getting it done at these points where it's not only that I think they're not getting done. Like you should, your point guard needs to be the one saying, guys, slow down. We're going to get down. the ball inside. Right. We're going to do that. And they're exacerbating the problem by all of a sudden jacking up a three, turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that like, they're not the only ones who have struggled in these stretches, obviously, but, but I do, the I do kind of needs agree to be your good. point that, that that's yeah. That kind of the bellwether that determines that, you know, how bad it gets. <laughs> right. Like, because, Kobe Brown, Parker Brown, Torrance Watson, these aren't the guys that are going to determine how far Missouri goes. It's Drew Smith, Xavier Pinson, Jeremiah Tillman. Those are the three guys that are going to determine how far Missouri goes. Real quick, uh, do want to say, hey, we're seeing all your comments, all your questions. We're going to get to them. Uh, we, we want to kind of let those build up, and we'll do our spiel, and then we'll, we'll get to those throughout the show. Also want to point out the logo in the middle, 573 report that's 573tees.com go over there they have hoodies on the website i know that because i own one if you buy four of them um you will stay warm until the temperatures get back to normal so uh if you only buy three you still might be very cold but go buy four <laughs> hoodies you'll stay warm at least till the end of the show 573tees.com uh they've been a, a good partner of ours for i think over a year now so uh make sure to go check those guys out uh big mizzou fans follow them on twitter uh do all those things spread the word to your friends so i don't know last night obviously was bad uh let's start here when let's start here 11 minutes into the show Uh, if somebody and i'm sure we both answered this question at some point but november 1st before this season started 
if somebody said to you at the at the end of the year, March 14th, Selection Sunday, where do you think this Missouri team is? What would you have said on November 1st? I, I would have said probably ceiling is like a six or a seven seed, most likely probably, you know, on the bubble. Hopefully they're on the right side of the bubble. A hundred percent. I said, I, I know for a fact, I said, I think the ceiling's about a six seed. Yeah. Um, I could see, you know, and at that point we knew the schedule. I said, I think the ceiling's like 18, 19 wins, maybe a six seed, you know, a little over 500 in the league, probably going to drop a couple of these non-con games. So that's what I thought then. Now, look, I fell into this trap, and I think everybody else did too. You probably did too. Following the Alabama game, we started going, well, I mean, they should beat Ole Miss, and they already beat Arkansas, and, well, we know they'll beat Georgia. And so, hey, maybe we can talk about like a two or a three seed. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the end, this team, I think, is going to end up almost exactly where we both said their ceiling was on November 1st. I mean – what start below the ceiling what do they have to do to make the tournament like they've got what four games we know four or five games we know left uh yeah i four. think four we yeah. know they've got four probably getting lsu and vandy added at some point so let's mm-hmm. pretend those games get added back they've got six games plus the sec tournament just to get in as like a play-in game last at large team what do they have to do probably win at least two of them i guess i don't know i mean maybe not even though maybe it's just one i i I, one or two wins depends who they're against um i don't know it's hard it's hard to say because everyone's resume is so different right now with the number of games played i was gonna say all they've got to do is beat the really bad teams yeah if they beat south carolina a&m and vanderbilt they are in the tournament yeah three wins i think they're in they are they're 100 percent in um Mm -hmm. What do they have to do, do you think, to be seated to win a game? In other words, eight seed or better. Yeah. Um, I would say probably win more than you lose, but maybe not even. I don't know. So, like, you four know, and because, three? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, and, and, you know, we're talking about, obviously, SEC tournament games, you know, in the mix right. as well. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, uh, maybe not even that. I don't know. Because, you know, they were just – I mean, they were just a, you know – a we know the 16th team in the NC in the committee's metrics. Like, you know, I, I know like, obviously it has not gone great since then two losses, but I, it, it's hard for me to see a team dropping, you know, that precipitously that fast. But I guess if they lose lost, if they end up, so if they were to end up losing like four of the last six, it would have ended, it would have been then losing. Yeah. Six of eight. So yeah, that would probably be, that would probably be doing it. So, okay. I'll say like it, they have to win at least three, probably four games to be a, uh, uh, seated to win a game. I think I think basically the difference between being in and being seated to win a game is just beat one of those not terrible teams. Right, right. right. Whether it's yeah, LSU, it Florida, game, sure. someone in Nashville, just win one game that makes somebody go, oh, hey, you're not bad. You know, even yeah. even Ole Miss <laughs> at home qualifies. Yes. Um, you win that game, you're seated to win a game. So then let's get stupid because we know this isn't happening. Just say they win out regular season, like 6-0. and oh. Yeah. Like what's the ceiling here? I, I still don't think they get back above a five. Not unless they make a run in the SEC tournament. If they won out and then went to the finals, uh, to the final game of the SEC tournament, they could probably get back to a four, maybe. I mean, again, you know, depends what other teams do. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think the ceiling is probably about a five right now. And that's like, look, that's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a solid season because I here's the argument 
that well there's two things i love about projecting the ncaa tournament like that bracket <laughs> comes out on saturday and everybody goes oh well i'd love that bracket well cool because yeah. it doesn't matter like there's there it doesn't exist a yeah. negative 600 percent chance that those four seeds are lining up exactly that way but then i also like after the loss now it's well this team i, I mean they can't make a run Dude, yeah. I've seen terrible teams get healthy and or, or get right at the right time. I mean, this team has already this year beaten in succession Wichita State on the road, Oregon in a neutral site, and Illinois. Like, right. that is the equivalent of like a first-round, second-round Sweet 16-type run. We mm -hmm. know they're capable because they've already done it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it ultimately like the NCAA tournament's impossible to predict. It could go just the other way. You know, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was feeling great about, you know, where the team was and was talking about, you know, elite eight final four stuff like that. Well, they could just as easily lose to a you know team in the second round. So, yeah, I mean, the tournament is a, a total crapshoot. Um, it, it's like, it's tough because, you know, we're saying this is a perfectly good season and like, I'm not saying you are wrong to get your hopes up and, and you're wrong to be a little disappointed with what has happened. Um, you know, by any means but i do think that missouri was never talent wise a top 10 team i mean i i was pretty adamant about that i was tricked i, I said i thought they could maybe be a top 15 team and i don't think that's accurate at this point you know maybe they're probably a top, top 30 team yeah they're top, top 25 ish sure. yeah so I, i'd say right around there and those teams can absolutely make a run to a sweet 16 mm -hmm. elite eight maybe even final four we've seen it happen um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so it's two things. One, there are legitimate concerns and, you know, this obviously is not a great little recent trend. Um, but two, it's not to the point. I, I, I mean, it's certainly not to the point where we can talk about firing a coach like that. Just you lose me there. You, I'm not even interested in that conversation because it's well, so out, out, out of touch with reality, just based on the contract situation and everything else. Yeah, Unfortunately, we're having that conversation. Uh, Dr. Sanitary starts uh, starts the comments. I just wanted to be that guy and make you explain Martin's contract again and the earliest Mizzou can fire him. Like, let's be clear. Mizzou can fire him tonight if they want to. Yes. It mm -hmm. would cost them, as of tonight and all the way up until April 1st, I believe $9 million. Um, it could be six, but I think it's nine. Uh. So he signed a six-year, $18 million deal when he started, correct? Something. I, I, or was it yeah, seven for 21? Well, I think it was seven twenty-one. Okay, well, seven for 21. Yeah. So he is yeah. in year four. He has three mm -hmm. years. He would have three years left. But by mm -hmm. making the NCAA tournament in year one, he added a year to that. So correct. he now has four years left on this yes. contract after this year. Um. Before next April 1st, it still costs them $6 million to fire him. Mm -hmm. Before April 1st, 2023, it costs them $3 million to fire him. So, guys, it's just not going to happen after this year. And assuming they make the NCAA tournament this year, it's also not going to happen after next year. So, if you want to bang your your head into the wall and develop carpal tunnel by typing messages about how they should fire him. You can do that. And, and that is fine. And we appreciate your credit card clearing for that to be your sole purpose in life, but he ain't getting fired. I mean, it's right. just, it's not happening. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, it, you can be critical and, and all the rest, but yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not realistic, especially, I mean, like, you know, 
I, I, and I understand the people who push back against this and say like the goal shouldn't be, you know, for this to be the ceiling, but you'd also, you do have to look at Missouri's recent past. You have to, I mean, the, you know, this is, this is still, even as of right now, pro- the best season they've had in nine years. Um, you, yeah. know, you, you, you don't fire a coach in the midst of that. And, and yeah, you're committed to this guy. And look, I, I mean, I can, uh, I can go to bed every single night hoping I wake up six, four and not ball. I mean, it's not going to happen. I, you know, it's it's never changing at this point. But that doesn't mean I can't lay my head down on the pillow and hope for it. So if if you want to tell us how Conzo should be fired, I mean, please get that's that's fine. That's uh, go ahead. Uh, Jared believed this team was different, and Mizzou does what Mizzou does. That's a me problem. Uh, I mean, I get it, but I, so this is uh. I, I've decided today. I think I'm. I don't know if I said this to you, Mitch. I texted it to a couple of people. The reaction today has made me think that there. And I do not want to generalize and say all Mizzou fans, but there is a segment of Missouri fandom that is like Cubs fans, but maybe not quite as fun. Um, like they, the Cubs were the lovable losers and embraced it. Um, Missouri fans like hate it. They don't even embrace it, but they don't know what to do without it. Right. It's like, yeah. it's like, I'm going to convince myself that light around the corner is a train because it's been a train often enough in the past that it's not ridiculous for me to think it's a train. And even if it's not a train, it's probably the next one's going to be a train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's definitely a phenomenon where, I mean, I get more texts and see more like tweets from, from fans when things are going poorly than when things are going right. well, especially with basketball where it's like, Oh, not again. Of course this <laughs> happened. Mizzou's going to Mizzou. Right. Like it's become like the identity in a sense, which like, yes. again, I, I get it. You've been through some stuff. Like, you know, in my four years of college, Mizzou was, I mean, their best team was that Frank Hayes last team, which was terrible. So yeah. like, I mean, it's not been a good run, but uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it, at a certain point, you do have to, you know, maybe let yourself enjoy the, uh, you know, the, the, well, the decent moments. And, like, this is the school that, like, just earlier this year, they had a four-play goal line stand against the defending national champions, right? That happened. Right. I remember right. that happened. Uh, another game, they went the length of the field in 45 seconds to to beat their old head coach. That happened. Right. Um, they've won three in a row against Illinois. So, like, there are good things that you can see. Um and, and guess what, guys? This can flip because one of my favorite things is uh, Sam Mellinger uses this in like one out of every four columns he writes. But he, he said he always used to write, the Chiefs are going to Chief. You don't know how or when they're going to Chief, but they're going to Chief. And that meant one thing until three years ago, and then it all of a sudden meant the completely opposite thing. So you never know, guys. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe... Anton Brookshire is like your Patrick Mahomes, and it's just all going to change next year. And you're, he's going to suddenly score 37 a game. Uh, I just picked him out because he's he's the recruit that came to mind. But I, I it, like like Mitch said, I get it. You've been through some things, but also like what happens? What happens if you do win? Then kind of the whole identity has has gone away. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, what do you? What do each of you think is Conzo's biggest obstacle in landing top 75, top 100 kids consistently? Coaching style, competing with better funded programs or something else. So before we answer this, I want to say, like, I 
I went back and looked at this in a question for the mailbag today. And Kanto's recruiting on paper is actually better than we think it is. I mean, he has landed more four and five star players here than he landed at Cal or Tennessee. And I'm not talking about just total. I'm talking about per year. He's averaging one and a half per year here. He averaged one a year at each of those places. And Missouri State doesn't count because they don't really get four and five star players very often at all. But he has, here's his problem here. His four and five star players either have not been able to play or have not played at the level of four and five star players outside of Jeremiah Tillman and Jonte Porter for about a year. Like, I think it's fair to say Tillman wasn't a four-star player until this year, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he had a few nice moments, but no, yeah. he, he didn't have the consistency or, or anything like that till this year. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I'm on board with there's not enough talent on this team. I get it, mm-hmm. but I more think that I think that somehow Missouri fans invented this idea of of Conzo Martin's recruiting that maybe it's never really existed. Yeah. You know? I mean, like he, you know, yes, he did. He, he right shortly before coming to Missouri, he got a pair of five star kids to Cal, which is not the easiest thing to do. And, and Ivan Rabb and Jalen Brown. So that's that was impressive. And it, it was one of those things where, you know, it was one of the you know lines trotted out when they hired him by the the ad you know it's we're we're gonna make inroads in st louis and all that and you know like it's just human nature i think to just you know believe the best about your new coach and like oh yeah yeah that makes sense he's got connections in st louis he's gonna get all those kids but like you know obviously that hasn't happened but it probably wasn't that realistic to think it was going to i don't know so to answer keegan's question or go ahead if you got some well no i was gonna say if you think he's getting all those St. Louis kids or even a good portion of them, you are literally banking on Conzo doing something that no Missouri coach has ever done. And that includes Norm Stewart. Nobody has ever, ever, ever done it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, to to answer Keegan's question, I think it's a combination of things. Um, But I do. Yeah. I think the single biggest factor is just, the program that you're selling and like you know maybe it's not impossible for missouri to get to that point but there's really only been one period ever where they were getting that level of recruit and honestly i, I i'm just assuming norm's teams had good recruits like they, they ended up playing well i have no well, idea how those players were I, rated as recruits right and i don't know if they recruited well but i will say that like norm's teams ended up in some trouble you know, right, I mean, exactly. there's yeah. some there's some questions about whether about how many of those wins in 94 count or how many of those, you know, how many of the the, the 87 to 91 the the whole Detroit thing got them in a little hot water. Exactly. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a combination of things. One, you're, you're, you know, you're selling to a program that's just I mean, like if you expect them to consistently bring in top 75, top 100 kids. OK, it could happen, but it, it just hasn't right. really within with consistency ever. And then, two, I think, it, yes, his you know, apparent, you know, unwillingness to play outside the rules, it makes it a lot harder when you're then, you know, recruiting to a program that hasn't recruited at that level and competing with guys who are, you know, willing to, uh, to, to, you know, make payments uh, of some sort. It's like, I mean, you know, and maybe that changes, maybe things really are cleaning up. I have no idea. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I, I think it's a factor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be way too Pollyanna to pretend that, there are not schools that are paying kids. And mm. look, I, I think every school cheats to some level and breaks some rules. I do not believe 
personally that Conzo Martin is handing out wads of cash to kids. Um, I, 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 if he is, he's not doing a very good right. job. Right. I've, I've heard way back uh, to the day he was hired, I had people tell me he's one of the cleanest coaches in the country. And I wouldn't say that if I wasn't told. Like, I'm not just defending the guy I cover. I really right. think that's the case. But also, like, like Mitch said, you're selling a program that, I mean – I don't know. How old were you the last time Missouri won an NCAA tournament game, Mitch? It was, yeah, it we was talked 11 years I ago. Was, yeah, I was in high school. Right. I was, I was uh, I think, a sophomore 15? in high school. Right. Yeah, 15. Yeah. We did talk about this. Yeah. And so I, I think – and I posted this on the board today, and I know it won't go over well, but I, I can say it because I include myself in this. Like, I, I was a Missouri basketball fan growing up. That was the team that I probably identified with and watched more than any other. Derek Chivas, Doug Smith, Anthony Peeler, Melvin Booker. Like, those were my formative years as a sports fan, and I loved college basketball because of those teams. It was, honestly, outside of the J School, the biggest reason I went to Missouri was so I could go watch Missouri basketball games in person. Um, so, there is a group there's a pocket of the fan base around my age that looks at what the program was back then and believes that's the standard and thinks that's what it should be but the truth is it hasn't been that for 27 years like we're borderline nebraska tennessee football fan here right I mean, if you yeah. want the truth, Nebraska and Tennessee football have both won national championships since Missouri last won a conference title in basketball in right. the regular yeah. season. So, and, and yeah, right. And they they have national championships versus elite eights. I mean, like right. Norm had great runs, but it's not right. like you have that. You know, a national title maybe maybe it, changes the conversation more. Right. Well, and I don't think anybody's asking for for Missouri basketball to win a national title. But no. my point is no. that. The, the people my age have this idea in their head that, hey, we should be a top 10, top 15 program pretty much every year. We should be in the tournament three out of every four years. We should be competing for titles in the SEC because we've done that. And and we forget about the fact that the last time they did that, I legitimately was a senior in high school. And yeah. so kids now, when it, taking it back to Keegan's question, you know what the biggest hurdle is? is kids don't think about Missouri basketball. It's not a big deal. It's just mm -hmm. not it, – it's not really – I don't want to say nationally relevant. I'm not sure how relevant it's been in the state the last seven yeah. or eight years. Right. You yeah, know, I, I mean, other than, the, other than the Michael Porter Jr. year, which, right. you know, they got nothing out of – I mean, like, you know, right. he didn't play. So but that, that's yeah. truly, honestly, like – Every the like if I you know I talk to a lot of these basketball recruits and like you know so what do you know about Missouri every single one all all they say is well Michael Porter played there like that's all they know like they you know because there's been no other reason to pay attention and to he him. did for like 72 minutes he did yeah. so that is technically a factual statement but like even going back to you know the the end of Mike Anderson era beginning of Haith like not only was that a a team that I think got obviously recognition but it was built with Marcus Denman, Mike Dixon, you know, and Kim English wasn't from the state, but man, he, he really embraced the state. Um, and so kids that were from around here and, and there was just, I think, more state pride. I think some of that was lost when they went to the SEC because basketball was just less important and because they didn't play Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State every year and Oklahoma State even. 
um, then I think the rest of it was simply lost because they were bad for five or six mm-hmm. years. And it, it's the whole chicken or the egg question, right? Do you have to win to recruit well, or do you have to recruit well to win? And the answer mm-hmm. is yes. Like do one of them. I, I don't <laughs> care which one comes first, but you have to do one of them. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And right now Missouri is recruiting like, it's not awful, but it's not good enough. And they're playing not awful, but not good enough. But last night was awful, but, but yeah. outside, of that, <laughs> outside of that, not awful. So, and, and now Dr. Sanitary is asking the other thing that I think leads to the angst in, in talking about basketball. Is it unreasonable to say next year we will be Kim Anderson bad? Um, some people on the board have said that's not true and that the transfer portal will be there, but we said that last year. So I, I want to start by saying I'm not sure that people understand how difficult it is to be Kim Anderson bad. Like, we're talking 9-24 and 24 as an average, guys. That is hard to do. I mean, you schedule six or seven wins a year. So basically you're talking about in those other games, you just went two and 24. Like that is very, very difficult, but I I mean, yeah, they're probably going to be worse next year. But what, what I hate is that every loss turns into, well, we haven't been good in nine years and we're not going to be good next year. Like last night's game was not about 11 seasons. Last night's game Mm -hmm. was just about last night's game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And and yeah, first of all, like I appreciate the question, Dr. Sanitary. Not this is not personal, but it's just something I see all the time and it bugs me. Like you can't you can't bring up Kim Anderson levels and like again, it's like the fiery thing, like you lose me there. Like cause it's just not reasonable. Like you can you can be worried about how bad the team is, but by comparing it to a Kim Anderson team, it's like, okay, that's just overboard because those teams were impossibly bad. Uh but yes. secondly, yeah, like there are major concerns and like, you know, you're banking on a guy who, you know, hasn't been spectacular the past couple off seasons in acquiring talent to, you know, get an influx of it to help right away. But at the same time, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, like, you know, even, you know, uh, yes, last night was bad, but even at times where this season hasn't been perfect, it's been a lot better than what Missouri has experienced mm. lately. Um, and it's, you know, probably going to be better than next season. So I don't know. I just, I guess I don't totally get the like, oh, next year, next year, next year, what's going to happen? Like, you know, worry about what's going to happen in the next few games or what, right. what happened in the, the past game uh, with this, you know, solid season you're having. Yeah. Um. And now look, I will. I'll set this up, assuming we're still doing this show a year from now. I will, like, do something terribly painful or, or embarrassing if Missouri next year loses a game to a mid-major team that pulls over on the side of the highway in an ice storm and hops a fence to eat tacos on the way to the arena. The best if, story ever. If that happens, and yes, it did happen with Jay Spoonhauer's Eastern Illinois team, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I was I was in the building for that game. It was amazing. a terrible ice storm. Yeah, that was yeah. that was one of the worst ones. Yeah, they they got stuck on seventy, jumped over the fence, and got tacos in the, in like the Wentzville area, and then came and beat Missouri. So we will come up. With, I'll let you guys make suggestions. And like, look, I'm not gonna physically harm myself, but if <laughs> if, if if Missouri loses a game next season to a team that pulls over in an ice storm and hops a fence on I seventy to eat tacos. 
then I like you hold me to it. Come back here and say like you said you would tase yourself or whatever you said you would eat, drink a bottle of Frank's Red Hot Sauce on the air. I don't care what it is. Whatever you want to say, that's fine because I. You just said you, you just said you weren't going to physically harm yourself, but those both those both sound pretty harmful to be honest. Well, the Frank's Red Hot thing, I like. I think I could get away. It would be a bad couple days, but I don't think it would permanently. Uh, scar me the tasing yeah, I wouldn't be a fan of that I'm not going to do that so but that was a bad suggestion I only used that because I listened to a podcast where legitimately the guy lost a bet and had to ask to get tased uh, but then COVID hit and it hasn't been able to happen because they haven't been in the same place since then so he's been spared wow. for for more than a year but um, yeah if you want to make suggestions for what I can do if somebody has to hop the fence and eat at Ruiz Castillo or whatever it is on <laughs> the way what, to yeah that's what it is on the way I to think, I think we should have have to do that same thing we should have to hop a hop the fence and eat at Ruiz Castillo and then play basketball I or mean, something I don't honestly know. that sounds damn delightful I, I would do that I would I would drive there right now and get some tacos I'm sure they were excellent uh, Jay Spoonhour recommended um all right so this is kind of an interesting thing that Jake brings up there's a trend with Tillman and Pinson when one goes bad the other one goes bad and I, I like I don't have any anything other than just yeah, I kind of think that's true to back that up. Like, I haven't looked at any numbers. Yeah, I haven't looked at numbers. I don't know if – I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's been some games where Tillman – I mean, when he was on that stretch where he was playing well every game, I feel like Pinson wasn't necessarily playing well yeah. every game as well. But, yeah, I mean, I just – I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier where, you know, this team kind of goes as Xavier Pinson goes. And, you know, when he's having one of those really tough nights – it makes the whole offense. I mean, Conzo said it a lot. It, when he's not able to attack north and south, it makes the whole offense stagnant. He's the best at, on the team at getting Jeremiah the, Tillman the ball because mm -hmm. they work so well in the pick and roll together, and he's a good passer. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense that you know when he's struggling, the rest of the offense is going to struggle as well. Uh, and uh, Stewart says Pinson's demeanor sometimes reminds me of the way Clarence Gilbert used to be when his head was in it. He was good, if not, sometimes looked like he was checked out. I, I don't. A hundred percent remember that about Clarence. What I remember about Clarence is you're damn straight. He was going to shoot the ball. Like it didn't matter if it went in, he was going to shoot the ball 17 times every game. The it, here's what I almost, I just kind of thought of this, the guy I would kind of compare Pinson to, and they're different players. And one of them was, was the best I've ever seen do it here. So it's not fair, but Pinson's ability to get into the lane is a little bit, reminiscent of Phil Pressey like Pinson is the fastest player on the court almost every time he takes the court if he wants to he can usually get in the lane right mm -hmm. and I maybe this is the passage of time but I don't remember very many games watching and just saying Phil just kind of looks like he's hanging out you know I mean look he shot the ball too much sometimes especially his last year he he didn't play well every time but, like, I don't really think you ever question the, the motor and, and, hey, is he executing the game plan uh, or trying to execute the game plan? And, and I think those are the things that have been questioned with Pence in the last couple of weeks that make it concerning, honestly, because it's not – I don't think it's a physical talent issue. Yeah, I don't think so either. And, and I mean, like, Conzo is never going to throw guys, like, by name under the bus. Right. You know, he did say after the Old Miss game, like, some guys just didn't or didn't bring or didn't show up. And, like, it was pretty easy to figure out who he was talking about. But he has said with Pinson, he's like, 
you know, it's the same stuff we've always talked about. You know, he's got to get, you know, he's got to drive. He's got to get in the lane. He's got to take pride in his one-on-one defense. And we talk, we've talked about that a lot. Like he knows the deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, at a certain point, like you said earlier, like what more can he do as a coach other than like, he can't physically make him drive into right. the lane or get a stop. Right. Yeah. So I mean, he can pinch him and he does at times, but I mean, God love Drew Bugs, but he's not going to go out there and replicate X's offense. It's, just, it's never going to happen. I, yeah, I no, still got to watch yeah, game film to know how five. he averaged eight and a half points a game. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, he, I don't know. Yeah, he he made a three the other day. He did. Which was the, the Arkansas game. Yeah, yeah so he there's made three that. shots in that game. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, apparently, I, Dr. Sanitary says I'm a mid-Missouri celebrity. I don't know where this came from, but um, it, I guess it feels oh, good. Okay. I don't know. Congrats. Yeah. Um, I look, I've got a 573tees.com endorsement. You can go there and uh, and and buy some T-shirts and uh, tell them I sent you. I don't think that gets you anything, um, but it gets you my goodwill, and it gets you a new T-shirt, and it, it gets them some attention. So that's good. Um, other than that, I don't really have any um, endorsements that I know of across town, but I, I would take them. Um, if anybody wants to, uh, if anybody wants me to start doing the, the local commercials, I've, I'm willing, I've got time. I know how to operate YouTube, so I could do this. Um, Jared want to know about if we've heard how the sec will make up those games. So last a couple days ago, Sankey said he thought everybody could still play 18 right now. Do we think tomorrow changes that? Cause they just canceled three more games. Yeah. They postponed three more. Postponed. I don't know. I mean, I would, I mean, I, I, I still kind of don't see it happening like i still just think they're gonna try to you know just have everyone play who needs to play who, who can play one more play one more game on that weekend before the sec tournament um you know maybe if like you know missouri has two games they have they have uh lsu and vanderbilt maybe they could send them both to columbia and mizzou could play like right. two games in in three days or something like that because they don't have to travel but I just don't think the SEC I, – I frankly, I don't think they care all that much about getting on, in all these games. It's not like they football shouldn't. where each one carries in – carries all that, you know, money's amount, like monetary amount. They should care much more about getting these teams to the SEC tournament and, you know, putting on an SEC tournament. So I, I, I they have not released specifics on a plan um, other than just, you know – having that one weekend available we'll see what happens but i kind of doubt at this point every team's playing 18 games i mean south carolina's got to make up like four games now like i I don't see it happening like it's not just covid now these games tomorrow are canceled because teams can't travel because of ice right right. i mean it's uh somebody doesn't want this season to work uh (laughs) what will the conversation be if mizzou were for some reason to lose out like i mean Oh my God, I I would I would not get on the message board. I, I don't know yeah. about you, but I would just I would avoid it for like at least until the end of spring football. Yeah, the conversation would well, spring football is ending like around the same time That's as basketball true. this year. But yeah. yeah, I mean the conversation would be unpleasant. I mean definitely like you know, there, it, you know. it would have a lot of words we can't say. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be, you know, Konzo definitely, I, I mean, again, no way I think is he removed after this season, but I think it, it would then at that point be his seat is pretty hot going into next year. If, if, if he misses the tournament somehow at this point, I would definitely think his seat would be pretty warm going into next season. I mean, you'd be going from 13 and three to 13 and 12. That's right. I have a hard time seeing that, but I don't know. Just uh, uh, Texas A&M is really bad, guys. They're going to, at a minimum, beat Texas A&M at home. I'm pretty confident yeah. of that. 
Uh, football recruiting question. What would you define as closing the borders when it comes to recruits? Like, I don't know, get over half of them. Over half of the yeah. guys you offer is that's that's as good as can be expected. I think I, I it's just I, unreasonable. I agree. There's always going to be people who want to go play elsewhere. Um, and, and I think you know, yeah, like six of the top ten, or, or yeah, if you offer more than ten, you know, you offer twelve, try to get seven of them, something like that. Yeah, because you know this whole sealing the border thing. I think Pinkle at one point said seventy five percent, and like that's a good goal. I don't think it's very realistic, especially because more and more teams are recruiting the state every year. Uh, Shannon wants predictions on baseball season. I mean, I like the trade for Andrew Benatendi. Um, I, it's a tough division. I still don't see the Royals being better than like third, but I feel like they're making moves. Is that, I assume that's what Shannon wanted to know because, like, look, I, I, I can't pretend I know a lot about Missouri baseball at this point in time. I don't think they're going to be – like, they just got to find ways to 500 in the SEC. Yeah. I was on a Zoom with uh, Steve Beezer and a couple of the players the other day, so I, I learned a lot. So you're the um, expert. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I will say it's pretty comical that, I mean – you know, Missouri is starting their baseball season when it, like it is literally zero degrees in right. Columbia. I mean, right. like they've had no ability to practice outside for weeks. They're actually scheduled to play a home series in February, which that's not likely to happen. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, my prediction is uh, they will probably, you know, be in the discussion for a regional and either barely make it or come up short again, like similar. Right. Um, that's pretty standard for Missouri in this league. And, Look, I mean, I, I get it. It's kind of telling that we don't really know. Like, I couldn't tell you yeah. much of their lineup because it's just not – it's not a sport that's ever really caught on big at Missouri. And if you want to be good in the SEC, it does have to matter. Um, it's it's the flip, uh, flip side of basketball. I think this league doesn't much care about basketball, but, boy, it really cares about college baseball. Um, mm -hmm. And Missouri – doesn't exactly fit in in that way obviously the people involved in the program really care about it but i'm just talking about like fans i mean 07 08 when they were like i mean they were hosting super regionals they had a chance to go to omaha and i don't know they got like 1200 people something like that yeah. I mean, it was probably more than that but average for that season i think was less than a thousand yeah yeah i mean i don't know i yeah it's it's tough the the deck is stacked against them for sure yeah um let's see uh stewart says watson and mark smith are the disappointments for me this season by now you might have hoped they would be regular contributors except for mark smith's defense not much from them i mean mark had some good games everybody knows it's a down season i i thought one of the encouraging things from last night i thought mark played pretty well Oh, I thought he might have been Missouri's best player last night. Yeah, I mean, I guess other than Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown definitely had a, had a good game. But, yeah, Mark Smith played well. He made a couple threes. He, he had, I think, seven or eight rebounds, maybe even nine seven. rebounds. He had, yeah. was, okay, seven rebounds. Um, you know, he was fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I guess I, I sort of get the disappointment with him because, you know, in past years, it's like when he was healthy, he was pretty solid, and it seemed like you could kind of write off some of the, you know, late season decline as, as health-related. Um, and he started off this season so well, and he also provides what this team kind of really lacks, which is a, you know, consistent yeah. spot-up three-point shooter. But I also think at this point, you just kind of have to know who he is and, and know he, I mean, you know, your best case scenario for him against high major competition is something like last night where he's giving you like, I don't know, something like 11 points, seven rebounds, decent defense. You know, I, I don't think he's likely to be, 
you know, a 20 point scorer very often. And uh, the but thing with Torrance Watson capable. plays the same. Yeah, he is. And Torrance Watson plays the same position. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's hard for me to be disappointed in both because <laughs> if one, if one was decent, he would take the other spot, but. Uh, right. And it's not Torrance's fault. I mean, and played, uh, he hadn't played right. enough to be disappointing, to be honest. Uh, all right, Schiff wants to know what's the better story, Eastern Illinois deal or the guy that drove onto the Mizzou Arena court. I, will, I think the Eastern Illinois thing is the best story that I'm confident we can tell the whole story of on this podcast. Yeah, it, it's the best because it's emblematic of like, okay, yeah, you really think your coach was bad? Our, this guy <laughs> averaged nine wins a year and lost to a team that had to bust to Missouri and pull over on the side of the road and eat tacos from and, Luis Castillo's. And the like, best part that. was that Jay Spooner just told everybody. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. guys, like, no, here's what we went through to get here. And by the way, we just won. I mean, I yeah. I couldn't name a single player on that Eastern Illinois team. I don't, you know what? I don't believe I there were any lottery picks, but I could be wrong. I could name one. You know why? No. I played basketball with him in sixth grade. Demetrius McReynolds, my sixth grade teammate. Wow. Was he Barrett good? traditional middle school? Okay. Yeah, was he was good. He was like their second leading scorer. Interesting. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's wait. one of the reasons why I went to that game because, you know, there was not certainly any other reason to go watch the Missouri basketball game at that point, other than there was, it was icy outside. There was nothing to do elsewhere, but yeah, I went and watched uh, my, my former teammate Demetrius. Way to go, Demetrius. We're proud of you. Good, good effort. Uh, what's, what's Demetrius doing now? You keep in touch with no, him on yeah. Facebook? No, uh, no, <laughs> well, no. I mean, that's... probably playing in the NBA if I had to guess if he was on that juggernaut. Look, if you happen to run across him, and he wants to be on the five seven three report and talk about the taco night. I am down. We will. We okay. Will, we will. We'll definitely have a like an off season edition of the five seven three report with, uh, you know, taco reviews from Demetrius from from Ruiz Castillo. <laughs> this thing's going downhill fast. Uh, Shannon wants to know if we think Mizzou will play in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Every indication I have is they're going to have a tournament and everybody's going to show up. I I, I yeah. think at this point, right. Yeah, I think so too. And like, honestly, like um, the, the more Missouri loses, the more I think they should show up, you know, try to get another right. decent win. Unless, I mean, I, you know, I, I, a couple weeks ago, the case was probably a little more compelling for them to just be like, all right, yeah, we're safe. We're, we're good with taking our like, you know, four or five seed or whatever at this point, uh, you know, you get another, you know, like quad two, maybe even quad one win there that could bump you up a seed line. Yeah. Uh, Greg, who checked in on the pregame show last night and was about to take off on a flight, said the Wi-Fi went down and he missed the second half. So Greg thinks Missouri <laughs> played a hell of a game last night. He's logging on to the Internet today going, I don't know why you guys are all upset. Um, yeah, it'd be even better if you got to watch like the first seven minutes of the second half because they were playing even more. Like the first half wasn't all that great. They started off kind of sluggish. They, yeah. they were winning by like four at half. But yeah, Greg, great like first six minutes of the half. Right. Yeah. Just the uh, perfect time. And and says he got eight bucks back from Southwest Airlines. Wow, I, I really don't feel like they should be charging you for Wi-Fi these days. Like they should just be happy if you're on a plane. Right. And also, yeah, like it's clear that every single plane like has it's just they're they're taking advantage of the captive audience. It's right. what it is. Hundred yeah, percent. Right. Um, also, Greg, had you actually not gotten that eight bucks back and you, had you actually watched the whole game? I think maybe you could have sued Missouri for making you pay eight bucks to watch the second half. I don't, I don't know if you would have won, but but you could have sued. I think I've, I've seen people sue for for less thing, uh, dumber things. Um, all right, so I don't know. I guess next week we're going to talk about spring football because I mean it is you know the snowplow knocked my damn mailbox off the post today. So obviously, it's really? time for sp- oh yeah, hundred percent, it just knocked it to the ground. So uh, so it's it's time for spring football.
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it, it's never felt further from spring. Like even December felt a lot closer to spring than this. Yeah, um, but Missouri's going to start early. We're pretty sure they're going to end early, although we don't really know a whole lot about it at this point. Um, but I don't know. We'll talk about it some next week. I'm sure people will have some questions. I'm sure they'll be in a good mood after Missouri goes and beats, uh, you know, South Carolina and then whoever they play after that. Old Miss, I think, might be next. I have no idea. I know I I'm usually good to know that the, the next game. But South Carolina is the next game, and then the two after that yes. are Texas A&M and Ole Miss. I just don't know the order. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so um, theoretically, they should probably win all three, but we will see. Yeah, you know, theoretically, they should have played the second half last night, but didn't happen that yeah. way. So, anyway, um, Conzo Martin not fired. Us <laughs> assuming we don't get fired, we'll be here next Wednesday. So, uh, yeah. Mitch, I don't know, man. I hope we make it seven more days. Hopefully, yeah. You're literally the person who could fire me. So, <laughs> the fact that you're banking on me being here seven days is a good sign yeah, for I me, mean, I guess. The truth is, if I fire you, I got to work harder, and I'm not big on that. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for watching, everybody.